0: Scott, are you waiting for the package you just ordered?
1: Maybe. Great, Scott. Scotty, beat me up. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this Friday edition of Southern California Live. Great to be with you today as we are each and every weekday from 3 to 5. Glad to be with you today. You know, we are supposed to get some kind of crazy rain this weekend. We'll have to see how it goes, right? It reminds me of a story of the Secretary of Ag- Agriculture several years ago was meeting with farmers during a time of great hardship for farmers uh, back in the breadbasket of the United States and uh, had met with a lot of them. They were giving them a lot of grief. But one in particular was very upset and, and complaining about the the lack of water, the lack of Uh, lots of things that they needed, and the Secretary of Agriculture started to get kind of irritated at this guy, and he leans back and talks to an aide who hands him some paperwork, and he says, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm hearing what you're saying here, but uh, it says right here that last year you had 29 inches of rain, and the farmer said, yes, I remember the night it happened. See, uh, that's, that's what we're supposed to get here. We are supposed to get so much rain in some parts of California over the next 24 hours, as much rain as we get in a year. That's not necessarily good, right? You want the rain. We need the rain. But, you know, it's not all going to dump in the reservoir. It's going to maybe create some problems. We want to pray against the problems. We want to pray for the rain. Hopefully it will cool things off. Put out some fires, but we don't want the mudslides to put out the fires. That's not how we want to get that done. And uh, something to be thinking about. I also thought if you're thinking of moving to Florida, you are getting a preview right now without the bugs. This is kind of how it is. You don't know if you're going to experience the storm and wind. CNN reported that some parts of California are already having 100-mile-an-hour winds, like up in the mountains and places where you know, you get these thunderstorms and stuff kind of regularly up there, but this is this is quite a bit. Anyway, uh, it's going to be a wild weekend, probably. We need to pray that things go well, and maybe we'll be blessed by all of it, and it'll cool off, hopefully. This is Southern California Live. Today on the program, we have Officer Dion Joseph. You are going to love getting to know him here in just a few minutes. Uh, he is a Los Angeles Police Department officer who, for 25 years, most of that time has been working in the Skid Row community right here in Los Angeles. And uh, it is, he has an amazing ministry. He loves Jesus, and we're going to get to know him. And he'll be joining me in the studio a little bit later on. It's 9-11 this weekend. We'll talk about that. And it's also Open Line Friday. Anything that you want to talk about, we will talk about that today. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can give a call and join the conversation. You can give a call and uh, actually change the conversation if you want to. On Fridays, we will let you do that most of the time. We won't let you do that while Officer Dion is uh, on the show, but other parts of the day, day will be able to do that. If you want to share your 9-11 memory or a thought about it, we can do that in the next hour as well. Here's some things going on in the news, and, and an idea, I think, for us as Christians, and we, we get to this every once in a while, I would say actually quite often actually on this program, about doing things in a way that is sincere, that is genuine, where there is integrity. Integrity, it means oneness, right? It's an integer. It means solid, and, and it can mean a lot of things. It can mean you're the exact same person all the time, whether you're in private or you're in public. You ever meet somebody where they have a public persona, but then you meet them in person and they're just not the same person at all? And that can go both ways, right? Sometimes there are people who have a, you know, an acting job or something and they always play the bad guy and then you meet them in real life and find out they're very kind and very generous and they're not who you think. Often it's the other way. They they seem very nice in one way that you see them and then they change their mind and, and uh, when you meet them in person, they're just completely different. Christians need to be people who are the same. Our love must be genuine and sincere. Romans chapter 12, verse nine says this, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. When you think about each one of these things, this is the way that the Christian, somebody who is a disciple of Jesus, somebody who wants to be like Jesus, these are all things that are Jesus. His love was sincere. He hates what is evil. He clings to what is good. He's devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. He died for us. He, he lowered himself. He condescended to, to be lower than us and bring him up, never lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. All those things are Jesus. That's who we are to be as disciples of Jesus. Since we're thinking about England, if you look at this verse in the King James Version, uh, let your love be without dissimulation, it says, which is maybe a word we don 't use too often anymore, but it 's a little better than sincere. Uh, one translation says, "Let it be genuine. I kind of like the dissimulation. Literally, what it means is let your love be unfeigned, or let your love be or let your love be unfaked, if that makes any sense. It, for real, is your love for real? There is so much fake when it comes to politics or even wealth or just the way we interact with people. So many different things. Our love needs to be for real. I think as the world is taking a look at what's happening in England and, you know, from our perspective across the pond, I don't know how you feel about it. It's just different, right? It's a a different thing to watch another country mourn. And I've listened to a lot of speeches and I think a lot of it is genuine. Right. And then you wonder about the royal family who has this very odd public life that they're that they you know, I don't want to say that they're just doomed to it, but maybe that's how some of them think. Maybe that's what Harry thinks a little bit. That's why he's kind of moved uh, into his own life and I can understand that, you know, why that would happen. King Charles the Third, who used to be Prince Charles, he's now King Charles the Third. He spoke to the country today. And uh this was something he said that I thought was I thought it was really good. And and see and I'm I'm looking maybe pastorally. I I want to encourage everybody with people we see on television, sports figures, movie stars, actors, newscasters, whoever they are. These are real people with real life. These are people who have the same kind of struggles and problems. And and even people who are heads of state, monarchs, you know, we know a lot about the the family problems in the, the royal family. We understand that there's tension. We don't know all of it, how much of it is real because lots of things get reported and it's a lot of gossip and a lot of that stuff. But you have to kind of say, you know what, every one of these people, they're just flesh and blood. They're going to stand before Jesus one day and have to give an account just like the rest of us. Hopefully they come to faith. A lot of news out there about maybe the queen uh, knew the Lord. I hope so. Um, it might be a subject for another show, but if you watch some of the ceremonies today in the prayer service, you know, it's very uh, Anglican because that's the state religion. It is very, you know, the, the liturgy is, you know, very, very Christian. That doesn't make it, make it Christian in in the sense of people's hearts, but it's kind of good to hear. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. I'll get your calls here in just a moment. It is open phone Friday, so you can call about whatever you want. 888-528-2557 is that number. I wanted you to hear this clip from uh, King Charles III today.
2: As my heir, William now assumes the Scottish titles which
1: have meant so much to me he's talking about his kids here and he's given credit to his mom and it's very you know kind of heartfelt but here he's talking about his sons William and Harry
2: he succeeds me as Duke of Cornwall and takes on the responsibilities for the Duchy of Cornwall which I have undertaken for more than five decades today I am proud to create him Prince of Wales, to Tewisog, Cymru, the country whose title I've been so greatly privileged to bear during so much of my life and duty. So William is going to follow in his father's footsteps, which he kind of has to. And I
1: think about that a lot. I don't want my kids to be my boys. I have two boys, so I'm, I'm hearing him and I'm relating a bit because I have two boys and the younger one is very different than the older one. And, you know, I I don't want to put pressure on them to become a pastor or a radio host or something that I'm doing. And I thought about this with Charles. I thought, you know, his son, his oldest son, has no choice, really. I mean, he does. He could say, forget it, I'm not going to do it, uh, like his brother is doing, apparently. But otherwise, he has to adopt all of these same things. He And uh, King Charles continued here talking about his sons.
2: With Catherine beside him, Our new Prince and Princess of Wales will, I know, continue to inspire and lead our national conversations, helping to bring the marginal to the center ground, where vital help can be given. I want also to express my love for Harry and Meghan as they continue to build their lives overseas. Now, I
1: appreciated that last part, I think, especially. I felt it was genuine. I thought, you know, he's got a political reason, okay, for bringing up Prince Harry or whatever his title is now. He, I guess he rejects that. I'm not – you know, all those titles and stuff, you got to look them up. I, wrote, I once wrote a letter to uh, a certain car company about a lemon car I had, and I thought they weren't paying any attention to me. So I also sent the letter to anybody who I thought would pay attention. So I sent – one of the people I sent it to was Prince Charles. And uh, I sent it to all kinds of people who probably notified their security, and now I'm under watch because of that. Um. I thought this was, you know, sometimes you do things because they're political, but I thought it was sincere. You think his love for Harry and for Meghan is sincere. You know, Meghan stirred the pot quite a bit in there. I think I thought it was good. I hope that it is. I really, really hope that it is. That in our politics, and we think about it for us, not just for our leaders, but for you and I personally, in the conversations that we might have about issues in our program, we talk about issues. We're going to talk about homeless a little bit later today with Officer Dion Joseph, And we're going to talk about, you know, there's people involved. The issue of immigration, there's people involved. That these people who are coming up over the border, the the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, said that the governors who are busing all these people into these cities are treating them like freight. Well, in a way that they are, but in a way, isn't our whole policy treating people just like freight? It is, we have to get past that. Our love has to be unfaked sincere in different ways. Can I encourage you that way, that your love would be sincere, that when you're talking about whatever it is you're talking about, but especially issues of the day, that we are known as some people who follow what the scriptures say right there in Romans 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. This is agape love. This is an action love, okay? This is this is love, not because somebody is just your friend or not because you have something in common. This is just love because this is, these are people made in the image of God, whoever it is that you're talking about. In the same passage, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share the Lord's people with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality, all of those things. And he says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. That's a hard one, isn't it? Bless those who persecute you. And then he reemphasizes, bless and do not curse, in case you didn't know what I meant. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. It's okay to mourn with these people across the pond, even though we don't understand a whole lot of uh, the positions and half of what the king just said. I don't really understand fully. We can mourn with people. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. I think that has a whole lot to do with the, the immigration issue that's in front of us are we really willing to associate with people of low position or are we just going to treat them like freight? Um, Our policies, I think take us that way. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone. I like that too. You're not responsible for how everybody does it or everybody in your church, but as far as it depends on you, whatever your reach is, whatever your influence is, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Something to think about, pray about uh, this weekend as we uh, watch the news, have the rain, other things. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. We're here every day from 3 to 5. Today is Open Phone Friday. And you can call about whatever is on your mind. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Jennifer in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Hi, Jennifer.
3: My question. Hi. My question to you is um, how I am struggling as somebody who is middle aged, who is in the process of trying to make a career change. And I'm getting very frustrated. I'm in a career that I've wanted to be in since I was 12. And I'm noticing that it's becoming, it's making me very angry, very, um, aggressive. I'm just I'm not a very happy person. You're and not I,
1: happy in the career you, know, you I, have now.
3: No, um, I, at one point I was, but things have just been changing so much and, um, you know, it's just, it doesn't pay the way that it used to. Everything's just different mm. about the career that I'm in and I'm noticing I'm having, um, have explosions. I went to jury duty and was almost arrested because I refused to be on the jury. And uh, the judge talked to me. I told him that this was a very bad time for me, especially uh, mentally, emotionally. I cannot handle this particular case. Mm. And, um, you you know, so that's an example of just being so angry and aggressive and frustrated. And it's hard for me to pray. And, and I'm having a hard time with that. I, I just want to be angry all the time because I feel like my childhood dream, um, I work so hard and it's just, it's not what I thought it was going to be. I've been in this industry for a very long time, since the 90s, but I'm noticing that it's not making me happy or feel complete. And I'm, I'm worried about where's my path because we keep, you know, I keep okay. hearing, well, have a purpose in your life. And I'm like, well, what's my purpose? I don't hear God telling me what my purpose
1: is. Yeah. Okay. So the, you, the career that you're in, uh, can I ask what that is? Like generally, what is it?
3: It's, uh, it's the same career you're in. I'm in radio.
1: Oh, okay. Are you down the hall? Cause yeah. we could have, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. You know, uh, and uh, you know it is. Here's what I I would say, and there's a, there's a whole lot here. If you're dealing with you know anger and stuff, the one thing you want to be careful about if you're if you're changing careers or going to get a new job, even if it's in the same business, if you just go to another station or another similar media type role or whatever it is, you know sometimes we take with us whatever the problem is, right? If we are dealing with anger, maybe it has nothing to do with our job. Maybe the next job is going to, you know, every job is going to have stress and have parts of it that you don't want to do. Uh, I love my job. I love what I'm doing. I love being on the radio. I've been a pastor. I changed careers in a sense recently, although I'm still in ministry very much. I see it. It's pastoral, but the job's different, but there are always things that you, get frustrated with, and you just have to push through it. Um, you know, what I would do, Jennifer is also consider that when you change careers, what, what career would you think about doing? Are you making a move? Have you applied somewhere else?
3: Oh yes. And it, but it's, it's, uh, the struggle is trying to get out of this business into something completely different. I want stability. I want, Normalcy. Mm. You know, I don't want to always be worried about my job and concerned. And, you know, it, 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 I had so much fun in the past, but things have changed. You have to be careful what you say. And, you know, I, I work in an environment where, you know, the littlest thing that you say, you can get in big trouble. And I just, I don't want that anymore. I just. I want normalcy. I want to feel like I'm, things are stable, you know, and I don't want to be on edge and nervous all the time. So trying to find something completely different with my skill set, especially, you know, when you're middle aged, it's real scary because you get more rejections than anything else because you, you know, all I've ever done is entertainment. I haven't done anything outside of that. So trying to, you know, say, well, this skill set could work in customer service. They they want to know, well, what have you done in customer service? So it's so frustrating hmm. and it's, it's, it's hard, you know, and so I pray and I'm hopeful. And then when, after you just keep getting rejection after rejection, after rejection, it takes a toll on you.
1: Yeah. Well, something I would, here's a couple of things. Okay. And there, it's obviously something that it takes some time. If you keep getting rejected, you have to ask yourself, maybe God's not opening this door. Maybe God doesn't want me to leave. And you just have to realize that that's possible. All right. And, okay. you know, and then you you should look at that because one of the things you don't want to do is leave your job or a career and get into another job. You see, What a lot of people do is they, they leave because they want to make more money and they make more money in this other position that opened up. And sometimes it's a promotion within the same company. Sometimes it's the same type of job or even a different career. And then what happens is, is that they, they leave behind the things that they actually did love about the job that they had before and things that they were actually good at. And they end up in a job where they're getting paid more, but they're miserable and incompetent, and then they get fired. You don't want to do that. Or they, you right. get to a new job where right. you just hate it and you thought you were going to like it, but then you found out that it's under the same curse that your current job is under. And you know when you were describing kind of the frustration of today that so many of us have, you know, we live in a time where you got to be careful what you say. You people are overly sensitive just about any job, especially if you're dealing with the public, you just never know Um, what I would do. Here's what I, here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Have your own Bible study through the book of Proverbs, the whole book. Okay. All right. It has a lot to do about every subject, Uh, about wisdom what you need is wisdom and the book of James says if you ask God for wisdom he will give it to you Jennifer you need some wisdom before you make a choice that isn't really going to help you most of us take our frustrations into the next job right Um, and sometimes maybe your job would get better if uh, your boss changed or if you know sometimes that happens but sometimes you go and you find out the boss is the same at the next place right um, get into right. the, have a Bible study through the book of Proverbs and ask God for wisdom. Are you in, uh, and if, you know, if you're getting frustrated and anxious and, and having some anger, Proverbs will help you a lot, um, to focus on that. And maybe there's something that you need to do. That's a hobby that you're not getting paid for. That's just fun. Uh, right. out, outside right. of work.
3: Well, can, can I ask you one other question? What about, because I grew up where my parents raised me. You do not go to therapy. Um, Jesus is your therapist. And I've been, you know, um, shamed because I said, maybe I need to talk to somebody and, you know, release some of this anxiety that I'm, I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a bad thing? I mean, I've gone to Christian therapists before and I have a, a new therapist but now I kind of feel guilty having a therapist. Do you, do you think that, you know, as a Christian, it's not good to go to therapy?
1: I think if you have a good therapist, uh, it can be a very good thing. Proverbs eleven fourteen. speaking of Proverbs, says, Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. It's okay to have counselors. It's okay to have people okay. give you input. Now, there are some very bad counselors. And there are some people in that profession who just want to put you on a medication. And for some people that helps, but other people it doesn't, or it's not really the best solution. Uh, Sometimes you need someone just to bounce ideas off of, you know, a really good counseling session. Either you either leave feeling like you were, you've worked something out or you leave feeling really bad, but maybe it's because you got things to the surface that need to come to the surface. Find a counselor. Uh, Do you go to church somewhere?
3: I do. I, I do go to Calvary Chapel Church.
1: All right, Calvary Chapel. Talk to your pastor there. Who do they recommend for counseling? And okay. that, that's what I would okay. do. I would go ahead and do that. I think that would be beneficial for you. You don't want to make a big life-change decision when you've got so many other things going on because it, it might just be that you, you need someone who's a good counselor, you know, for some people, it's just a good friend, right? For some people, you have those people in your life. But for sometimes we, we don't or it's a private matter. We just really need to have somebody private. Great. Go do that. Make sure they love Jesus. Make sure that they're not, uh, you know, giving you anti-biblical advice. You know, there are bad counselors. And the same thing goes for you. Ask for wisdom, even in the choice of who you go talk to. All right, Jennifer, i got to go. I Thank, thank you, f- you so much. I thank you for your call. Go ahead and do that. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. It's open phone Friday, 888-528-2557. And I will be back in just a moment as the Friday edition of SoCal Live continues. California. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. Great to be with you today. It's open line Friday. And whatever's on your mind, we will change the subject for you. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And you can also send me an email at SoCalLive at com. Let's go to Becky in Los Angeles. Uh, Becky, welcome to Southern California Live. Can you turn your radio down a bit there, Becky? Yes. Hi, Becky. How are you? Hi. I'm
4: okay. Thank
1: you. All right. What's on your mind today?
4: Um, I'm in a, I, I just recently started going back to church and
0: yeah.
4: I'm trying to learn about God and everything and I'm struggling because I'm in a relationship that's not healthy. Mm. Um and I'm trying to figure out what I do. I've been twelve years with him and we have three kids and it's I've been struggling a lot.
1: Um yeah.
4: we argue a lot, we fight a lot. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do or Yeah. If, if
1: hey, I don't know. Are you in the, you're in the car? Do you have your kids in the car with you? I do. Okay. Uh, I thought I heard him back there, so I thought, are, are, yeah. you, are you married to dad?
4: We're not married legally, no. You're not
1: married. Okay, so you got three kids. Is he in the picture, though, he lives with you? See, we live
4: together, but he's never
0: home.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. you know what? Um, I think that, and I can't hear you too well here. I'm going to put you on hold, okay, because there's a lot of uh, background noise uh, while you're driving there. I understand that. Um you know, Becky, going to church is the first right step. Okay. Um, now, if he is, you know, physically violent with your other stuff, there are other things that we need to talk about—the um, arguing and stuff. You know, there's there is a reason you're not married. Um, and I got you back on here, Becky. Uh, Becky, why haven't you been married in 12 years, and you have the kids together?
4: Um, that's a good question. <laughs> that's a very good, he said he doesn't want to get married. He, I don't know.
1: Okay. And he, you said he's not around? What?
4: He works a lot, but then when he's not working, he's with his friends. Okay. Um, he's friends, I think, a little bit more important than us, I think, sometimes. I don't know.
1: All right. Well, that's a pretty big deal, and so here's what I would say to him. You know, I think you need to say, you need to ask him, I don't want to be sensitive about this with you know the kids in the car. Um, you know one they,
4: thing. I, the sad is that it's they they understand too because they've been they've been around it. They they know. They ask questions. They how, ask why dad doesn't come home.
0: How
1: they're old are your kids? Uh,
4: they're going to be 11 in October, and then I have a four-year-old. I have twins. so twins.
1: Okay. Um, I'm going to put you on hold again because there's a lot of background noise there. Um, Becky, getting into church is a right thing for you. You need to have a community where you have support. Um, And, you know, if you want to send me an email later, I can help you make sure you're connected into a good church where I think they're going to have good teaching. Okay. My email is SoCalLive at KKLA.com. SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Your... Uh, The person who is your kid's dad, he needs to take responsibility for these kids and for the life uh, that he has here. He needs to take responsibility and we need to, you need to try to make that really, really clear because he's, if he's not around and he's not there, number one, he's missing out on your great kids. Fighter? I'm
4: sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, he's a good provider, but he just doesn't spend time, all the time with the family. Yeah. He's
1: never around. You know what? That happens sometimes, and even when you are married, the guy gets himself, you know, softball two or three nights a week, and he's hanging out at the bar with his friends, he's playing pool, or he's got a man cave, and he's, he's in the house, but you never see yes. him, right?
4: Yeah, he's in the garage now. His, the garage is his man cave now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're um, right. Absolutely. a
1: That is a, that's a problem that men have today, and it's wrong, okay? No, right. you now there's a, there's a, 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 wife version of the man cave. It's like the she shack, I think is what it's called. <laughs> Something right. like that. So sometimes <laughs> women do it too. Um, you know what, Becky, um, this can't go on. Okay. So what eventually it's not,
5: healthy. Yeah. it's not
1: healthy. Um, you guys need to see somebody for counseling. So I would get involved in the church, talk to the pastor at that church about it. And if you don't have a good feeling about the, the church, uh, what church are you going to?
4: Uh, we were going to the church right here in our na- where I live at. Okay. I, I can't even tell you the name of it right now. My mind's like yeah.
1: Going. Does he go with uh, you?
4: Right here in Manchester. No, he said he doesn't want to go to church. And yeah. I asked him to go to counseling. He doesn't want to go to counseling.
1: So you are going to counseling. I, I-,
4: I have a counselor I see every week. The children haven't started yet, but I do. Yes, sir.
1: Okay. Um, you have to have some resolution. Him not being, you guys not being married is a, obviously a commitment problem. Um, right. You know, the only reason to do that is to keep your options open for some reason. Um, See, you know, I feel
4: like, yeah, he's very controlling um, about and every aspect of our life. Um, it's been 12 years, and I, I was reading the Bible, and it says that you're supposed to stay in the relationship and work it out. And so I struggle because I'm still learning about the Bible and everything and how you're supposed to live. And and about, I'm trying. I'm um, putting all the effort effort to to change my life to live the right way. You know, because we weren't brought up. In the church as kids you know so I never was taught about you know how to live by the Bible and all that you know
1: yeah so well, um,
4: I'm reconverting right now
1: <laughs> okay well you're doing the right thing do you bring your kids with you to, to church
4: oh yes uh-huh. they go to the Sunday school um when we the one we go to it's like right down the street from my house
1: okay great but
4: um it's a really small community church um mm-hmm. I don't know them really well and I don't know i I'm still looking for another church that I would feel more. Still more comfortable with. I'm still searching.
1: All right. Well, make sure you go to a church, whether it's the one in your neighborhood or somewhere else, where they believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior, that He died for your sins, and that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Because here, here's the thing: we're not going to solve all your issues here in just a minute on the radio. Oh no, of course not. You know, but for you to find peace, uh, the peace that you get through the living Christ comes when you trust Christ for your life in the future. And right. the Bible teaches that for those who believe in Jesus, that believe that He died for your sins, that He rose again on the third day, that you you trust Him with your life, that you get the Holy Spirit. Who, oh, I do. Yeah. Oh, I do. And one of the fruits of the spirit. Oh, thanks, definitely. One of the fruits of the spirit is peace, and which is something you need. And by fruit of the spirit, it's that not it's not something you have to do by yourself. Okay. okay. It's something that you, you have supernatural help with. And I think the way you pray okay. is you say, God, give me peace and understanding here, and I need your help. I need supernatural help. The Holy Spirit comes okay. alongside you. Okay. And then work hard to trust God, and that if you pursue Jesus, you will begin to find a, a solution. The best solution is that your, your husband decides, to, or not your husband, but I mean, he's technically your husband right?
4: Yeah, technically. We've been 12 years living together. Yeah, so we,
1: that he you know, commits to you, he puts a ring on the finger, he commits to his kids, and that he knows Jesus. That's what you want. That right. doesn't always happen.
4: Well, I know he believes in God, he just, I just told him that I was going to start going back to church, and I, the children ask me lots of questions about God, they want to know more, they're eager, and I'm not going to give them, I'm not going to do them like I was done, I'm not going to not let them go when they, when they want to go, you know, so... Yeah, I, I that's what I'm doing, the right thing, and he doesn't want to go with us and we'll just go by himself because it's like I'm a single parent, but I'm still with him. You know, it's it's yep. really crazy situation.
1: Yeah, you keep doing that, okay? You keep pursuing Jesus yourself and help your kids pursue Jesus and pray for uh, your your boyfriend, husband.
4: Okay, I okay. sure well, I do. I pray for him. I, All uh, right. Yeah.
1: So do I, that, see pursue that. You. When you find a church where you're comfortable, you know, talk to the pastor there about your situation. He has to keep that private, okay? Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank okay. you, Becky, That's for your good. call. Thank you. My Matt, email address, if you want to – yeah, you too. If you want to email me, I can send you some more information, SoCalLive at com.
4: I sure will. Thank you so much.
1: All right. All right, Becky. You know, there's a lot of, lot of hard stuff going on out there, and um, we're going to have um, a guest here pretty soon um, who – I think you're going to love. His name is uh, Officer Dion Joseph. He's with the LAPD. He works on Skid Row, and you're going to learn a lot from him as soon as we come back from our break. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, and uh, we'll be back with Officer Joseph in just a moment as the Friday edition of SoCal Live continues. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live, Scott Furrow with you. Thanks for joining me today on SoCal Live. We're on every day, weekday from 3 to 5 It's great to be with you, and I have someone in the studio with me today who I'm excited about you getting to know. Uh, I met this man at the KKLA Pastor's Breakfast a few months ago, and, you know, he blessed everybody in the room with an opening prayer, and his story is one that I think you need to know, and I'm pleased that I know him. Officer Dion Joseph is a law enforcement officer for over 25 years, 23 of those years, has been downtown Los Angeles Skid Row Community. And uh, Officer Dion, welcome to our program. Thank you so much much for having me. I'm glad to be here. It's great to have you here. And the traffic out there was kind of crazy. It
5: was a nightmare. It was a complete nightmare. One minute it was flowing real nice, next thing you know it was just gridlock.
1: Do you ever just turn the lights on just so you can cut right through it? (laughs) I
5: wish I could. (laughs) Like Starsky and Hutch have that little light, put it on my car. (laughs) Oh yeah, you know, I
1: almost bought one of those. I found it in a catalog one time. And uh, uh, my dad wisely decided I shouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah dads, you know?
5: are, dads, are, dads are probably right. You know? Yeah, he was probably right. You know,
1: impersonating a police officer is not, not a really thing. smart thing to do. Hey, well, you know, tell us, uh, officer, how did you, how did you uh, become a police officer? What led you in that direction in your life? Tell us about uh, yourself. You're married. Uh, happily married
5: for 20, I better not know, there's 25 years uh, to the most wonderful woman on the planet. And she has blessed me with three of the most handsome, wonderful, well-behaved boys. On the planet. I'm just a
1: blessed man. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you've been a police officer for about 25 years? 26. 26 years now. So what led you into that profession? Well, I didn't want to do it in the first place. Mm -hmm.
5: Uh, Like many young African-American males, uh, just like today, I was kind of indoctrinated to hate and loathe law enforcement through friends, through family, through uh, media. We didn't have social media back then. Also through the music I listened to, like Mm. my favorite rap groups were Public Enemy, you had KRS-One, you had NWA. So yes, F the police was playing in my Nissan Sentra every day. And that had a, a heavy influence on me as well as my high school friends. I remember there was a time of black pride, which was a very positive time, in my opinion, a renaissance of of knowing who we were as a people beyond Mm. slavery. And I joined this group at my school and it was a positive group. We were learning about our history before slavery and then the great things we did post-slavery. And then we had a change in leadership and our new leader was this. Muslim guy and nice guy, but his thinking was very, very extreme. Mm. So I noticed we weren't learning about that stuff anymore. We started, he started indoctrinating us into hating everything that is America, everybody that's white. The white people are white men is our enemy. America is trying to kill you. And I'll never forget one day we were at a table and he was one of our weekly indoctrination sessions. (laughs) And he says, let's talk about police brutality and how the police are out to kill black people. They are systematically trying to kill black people. And uh, and so I want everybody to tell a story uh, about how the police has impacted you or your family. And I known these guys my entire life. None of them had really been in trouble with the law, but yet everybody had a story. And. After a while, you feel pressure to come up with a story of your own. Hmm. So when it got to one of my friends next to me, they said, hey, so what's your story? What happened to you? And he felt the same pressure. And he was like, uh, 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 every time uh, I step out of my house, the police harass me. <laughs> and I looked at him and says, man, I can't even get you to come out your house. Your mama don't let you out the house. <laughs> you're a <you're> Jehovah's <laughs> witness. I can't even get you to come play basketball with me. Hmm. And forgive me, America. I was coming up with my lie, too. Hmm. Uh, and I've had racial things happen to me in, in the sure. past. But I, at the time, I knew I was about to lie. And when I realized what was happening, after about two weeks, I left the group. and uh, and it, 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 it. But it still impacted me. So I didn't want to be a cop at all. What happened was uh, my parents owned the first black-owned restaurant in the city of Long Beach, and it was a shopping center, uh, Mm. and we were doing incredible things. Uh, The riots hit, then the economy crashed. This was
1: about 91? uh, 92 92 to 94. Okay.
5: And I was out of a job. Mm. And after about three months, I put my name in every hat, but nobody would call me. I've never been arrested. I had decent grades in school, good kid, Did community work. But nobody would hire me. So one of my friends and an uncle says, you need to put in for this department because they're hiring black people right now. I was like, really? No. No, thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll pass on that. <laughs> that department? Oh, no. Oh, yeah! We just saw them on TV on the news uh 1991. You're Remember? right. It was not a good day. <laughs> <laughs> no. and, uh, and then my uncle sat me down and he said, you know, it's what you make it. You know, uh, the job is what you make it. Uh, if you be, become corrupt, it's because you were corrupt already. If you become a brute, it's because that's already what was in your heart. Mm. And that was kind of the Joseph way. And when he put it like that, I said, okay, I just met this beautiful woman named Tasha Joseph. I wanted to be able to be a great support system for her. So I put my name in a hat and I said, okay, I'm only going to do this thing for three years. I'm going to finish school and I'm going to get out. And what happened was uh, my first day out in the field, uh, I, we ended up saving a woman's life. And that was the moment I fell in love with being a police officer. And I also discovered during my time out there that 90 percent of what was said about police officers was absolutely false. Um, You know, the vast majority of them are decent human beings. As a matter of fact, I always say this when I talk to college kids or even church members uh, I talk to. Police officers are nothing more than a microcosm of society. Mm. We all can agree that out of the 330 million people in this great country we live in, not perfect, but great, uh, are decent people, whether they're white, black, Christian, Jew, Muslim, gay, straight, atheist, even devil worshippers. I know some yeah. nice devil worshippers. <laughs> I may not they agree need to know Jesus, but <laughs> they can be nice. <laughs> but they're very nice, right?
1: Yeah, well, I know some not so nice people who love Jesus also. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's, like, that's you know.
5: true. Uh, so we all agree with that. When I ever ask them that question, everybody, 100% of the crowd raises their hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I say we also have in the United States of America, out of 330 million people in the low in the high hundred thousand, maybe low millions, people who are the negative exception, who cause all the drama, who keeps us looking at our cell phones, thinking the world's a rolling dumpster fire in a dry forest. Mm. I said, from all of those walks of life, would you agree with that? And everybody raised their hands. I said, where do we select police officers from? The American public. And nine times out of 10, you're going to get great, hardworking, dedicated people who want to do a good job. But every now and then, the negative exception is going to slip all, slip, uh, slip into these agencies, and they're going to disappoint us all. Yeah. What I hate is the hyper-focus on the negative uh, exception, which is causing a depletion of people wanting to join the police force and also frustrating officers currently who are retiring and leaving. And I, I'm worried about the next five years, what any major city is going to look like if this continues.
1: It is a uh, that is a major problem. Yes. Um, when I was in San Diego, I my one of my best friends is a San Diego police chaplain, mm-hmm. and I went to a lot of Bible studies with a lot of cops, and I uh, really got to hear a whole lot. And it's a it is a uh, it's a profession I think most people don't really understand. I didn't right. Right. until I'm sitting in a room full of, of cops and going to uh, uh, the lineups and stuff, and really learning a whole different world. And you you have I think when we understand each other in any context, we're going to have a lot more respect mm-hmm. for people that are in a different profession or that just have a different background Absolutely, than all of us. But there's a
5: concerted effort, a coordinated effort between, and I'm not saying all media is like that, it's not true, between media, uh, academia, from middle school all the way up, now it's entering elementary schools, yes. to uh, you know, social work, to marginalize and engage in demagoguery against the police. I've never seen anything like it in, in my life. Now, a lot of them are currently realizing the error of that, uh, <laughs> that right. of thinking, and they want to refund, but the damage is done.
2: Mm. The damage
5: is so done. I've never seen the morale so low, and I couldn't have done their job if it wasn't for my faith in God
1: yeah. holding me up. So know? in your when you are uh, now in your career, and uh, you see it differently, it's become a career, not mm-hmm. just a three-year thing. Right. Um, you wound up on, on Skid Row uh, as a police officer. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? Well, another place I didn't want to go. You're
5: right. <laughs> there's a theme in my life. I don't yeah. want to go.
1: I, I've had many Jonah moments
5: uh, <laughs> where uh, I was yeah. like, Nope, I'm not going there. God. And then there's catastrophe and everything else. But yeah, uh, I left when I first started in uh, my department, I was at Venice beach and everybody knows where that is. Beautiful place, beautiful women on Sunday afternoons, you know, great eating spots, palm trees, you know, you know, and somewhat majority support, uh, you know, from the people that live there. I went from that to ending up in Skid Row and how I ended up there I put in three choices when I was on probation what's your wish list so I put in uh, I think I put Newton Harbor Southwest I don't know and I know Central was one of my choices and when uh, my training officer heard that I picked Central Division he pulled the car over he says you did what I go, yeah, Central Division, sir, what's wrong? He says, oh, man, you got to wear a body kind of the work there, man. Oh, man, everybody over there has HIV, AIDS, tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. You know, they have all these diseases. They smoke crack right in front of the station. It smells bad out there. Oh, and by the way, there's no place to eat. So I wore three things back then. First, I was a germaphobe. <laughs> yeah, I really was. I, I wore 10 gloves to search people. <laughs> That's just me. And uh, the second thing was, uh, you know, I'm a big guy, love to eat. And the third, I'm a man of faith. Obviously, I'm a born-again Christian, so I went home and got on my knees, and I said, Lord, you've never failed to answer a prayer. So I got another one for you, Lord. Uh, please don't send me to this godforsaken place called Skid Row. And uh, unfortunately uh, for me at the time, uh, the transfer came out. I was headed to Central, but I didn't complain. I went, and it blew my mind what I saw, you know. And this is a picture of what I saw that day, if I could paint, paint it for the audience. Um, I'm driving northbound on the 110 freeway, and I see the— Beautiful, picturesque L.A. skyline, which is a West Coast symbol of America's economic might and power. And I says, this can't be that bad. That's Central Division. Hmm. I get up on 6th Street, and sure enough, I'm in the heart uh, of the mighty towers, and I'm seeing people in business suits, drinking coffee and smoking on cigarettes. I saw some cute girls. I was like, okay, this can't be that bad. Now, imagine uh, if you've ever been to a bad place in America, there's usually about a mile and a half stretch of territory that kind of warns you first. You, know, you are now entering hell. <laughs> right, you know, right. There was, <laughs> there was absolutely no warning as soon as I crossed a street, street called Spring Street. Uh, the dichotomy was just so weird. It's just uh, night and day. It was like I tripped and fell into Mad Max. Thunderdome, mm-hmm. Waterworld, and everything my training officer said was true with the exception of one thing. The cops weren't fat and lazy. They just weren't supported by the justice system that told them to go out there and combat the madness. But I saw people having quote unquote relations on the sidewalk, people smoking crack and, and destroying themselves with heroin. And I saw people ambling down the street in hospital gowns and wristbands on, clearly they had just been dumped. And the saddest thing for me as an African-American man, I love all people equally, but just as an African-American to see the devastation of the crack epidemic and how it destroyed urban communities, 80% of the people I saw looked just like me. And the first thing I came out of my mouth, I was like, God, I can't fix this. <laughs> I'm going to put my transfer in. I'm going back to the West End <laughs> as soon as my year's up. And, uh, you know, and I got inside the station. I thought it was going to be better. You no, know, the same people that were outside were inside, sitting on the bench, shackled up, headbutting each other, yelling, cursing, screaming, and the smell was horrible. And I looked at my fellow officers and they're, I said, do you guys see what's happening out here? And they kind of like, get out here. You must be new. You know, this is like, <laughs> it didn't even faze them. Well, <laughs> you know, yeah. Somebody lit some incense and they kept on working. So I went upstairs, and the watch commander comes up to me and says, uh, "Hey, Officer Joseph, your first two months is going to be spent working the front desk." And I was like, oh, "Thank you, Jesus, the front desk. I don't have to deal with this mess." I was wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> Every it was the first of the month. Usually, mm-hmm. that's when it's ultraviolet. Every five, ten, fifteen minutes, somebody was coming into the station with their arm broken backwards, forty-five degrees. Uh, a woman came in with her face slashed open, where you could see her teeth another man walked in holding his stomach and when he moved his hands, his intestines fell out right in front of me and, and none of them wanted a crime report. And that was mind blowing for me. Their attacker could have been standing right outside the door, but because they had to live there and get services, they didn't want to be 86 by the gang members or the advocates for coming to the police. So they just took their lumps and came back. So that was one of the eye opening moments.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, Officer Dion, can you stay with us over the break? We've got to take a little break, sure. and uh, we want to hear more about your story and what the Lord has been doing uh, with your life. If you want to learn more about Officer Dion Joseph, his website is dionjoseph.org. And when we come back on Southern California Live, we're going to hear more of his story. And, um, you know, it is great hearing just all these things that God does. People call all the time. They, they have the same thing. I don't want to do it. <laughs> but when they step out and they really see what God, how God can use us, yeah. amazing things happen so absolutely we'll talk about that more as the second hour of southern california live begins here in just a minute i'm scott furrow this is southern california live we'll be back in just a moment with officer dion joseph as the friday edition of socal live continues